The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm leaving you this morning, woman. 
welcome you to another burning of the phone lines. We're going out to Virginia tonight. I have Nick Wade here with me. Uh, Gilbert Val helped set this up, and it's been a it's been a real pleasure, like digging through and getting to know Nick through his music, and now I get to pick his brain a little bit about the years. So, Nick, how you doing, man? Yes, sir. And uh, I just want to start out with, uh, man, tell me a little bit about uh, growing up, uh, where you're from and uh, where you were raised. I was born in Warrington, Virginia, about uh, 80, 100 miles north of here. Um, moved uh, to Louisa here where I've been staying for, uh, you know, up till now when I was about one year old. And so, I mean, I, I saw in the bio, um, you had a strong influence with uh, your grandfather, and you picked up music at five years oh, old. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you how it went. It, uh, so, my grandfather back in the uh, 40s was a, uh, was a jazz musician and uh, like a professional musician and played with, you know, the big heavy hitters, you know, like Gillespie and Charlie Parker and those guys like that, and... Uh, Anyway, um, he was really, really good. He could play, like, you know, over 10 different wind instruments and even the piano. But anyway, he, uh, he, was, he the first memory I had, he, he used to give me lessons. But uh, I had the first memory I have of him uh, teaching me was on, it's called a recorder. It's like a, a plastic flute. Yeah. It doesn't take any, uh, you know, special uh, technique to blow to make a sound, you know. And he, I remember him, he played it, played a little thing, a little melody. And, uh, you know, I was able to play it right back to him. And uh, we, we used to, you know, we had a couple lessons then. And then, you know, he would come back every couple years, you know, and, uh, like, bring, I think one year he brought a, a snare drum and then a, a keyboard one year. Um, just different instruments trying to get me interested in music. You know, uh -huh. it's basically what he was trying to. I guess pass on to me, but little did he know that uh, I would end up really getting serious with it. Cause you know, back then I was too busy, you know, doing what kids do. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to sit there and practice music all day, you know, or, or yeah. do any of that. I wasn't interested in it, but it wasn't until I was a young man that I really, I got serious. And, uh, and uh, the training, he, the train is basically what, what, those lessons and stuff from my grandpa and Monica was, he taught me how to teach myself. He, he, a lot of ear training is what I would say is the biggest thing I took away from all that, his teaching. Yeah. And, um, man, it's it's even that way a little bit with my nephew. Um, he's eight. And um, just, it was a horrible gift, but uh, I got him like a little toy drum set. And, you know, I'll, I'll play music around him and, like, try different instruments just to kind of pique his interest. Uh, he hasn't yeah. latched on to it yet, but, like, every now and then I'll see, like, little glimmers of him just kind of taking music just a little more serious. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. But, uh... Even if they don't... Even if they don't take to it right quick, you never know. Like, in my case, they might fall back on it later in life. Yeah, uh, so I mean, you know, from five years old, and um, I want to say you were 22, right, when you started taking it serious. 
Yeah, Tell me a little bit about uh, that span of your life, um, just as far as like growing up. Like, what were you into uh, while you were in high school? And uh, oh, um, high school, um, you know, so I dropped out, dropped out of high school, and went to work right away. And I was, I used to be an electrician. Um, that's what I did for a living. And uh, but uh, you know, it was around that time, uh, twenty-two years old, when I first. Uh, that, that's kind of what I was doing at the time, you know, just working, plugging along, and, you know, actually, you know, when I, when I was coming up, you know, and especially in high school, I listened to a lot of hip-hop, but out on my job sites, you know, people out there were listening to, uh, there's a station up here, 97.5, he's played classic rock all the time. And so oh, yeah. The neighborhood, you know, that's all I heard, you know, all day, well, you know, on the job site, so then... You know, I would hear, like, Steve Ray Vaughan and Jimi Hendrix. So then I started buying those guys' albums, you know. And, uh, you know, and then eventually, like I said, around, that, that that's where my interest started anyway. And then, you know, I ended up starting to play guitar. You know, Jimi Hendrix was the one who really inspired me to pick up guitar. But, I, like, I want to sound like that. I know I could do that. So, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know. It was uh, so. It happened kind of at work. You start. You started being influenced by SRV and Hendrix. Is uh, yeah, people like that. People I heard over the classic rock, even Led Zeppelin, anybody like that. Yeah. You know, especially I really loved it when they would uh, they would always play the uh, the sky is crying, uh, sky is crying by uh, Stevie Ray, and I used to love that. Uh, anything blues, I used to always love, but I didn't know, I didn't know anything about the blues really at that point. Yeah, um, so you would go out and buy a guitar and start taking it serious there. So, like, would guitar be uh, your primary instrument at that point? Yeah, that's all I play guitar. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, well, walk me down from there. Was it like uh, guitar lessons, or how'd you go about it from there? It came back. It just, yeah, it just snapped right back into place. And uh, I, I taught myself really, really quickly, uh, like really quickly. <laughs> and uh, um, started, you know, and, you know, I started out with Hendrix and, uh, you know, and Stevie Ray and people like that. And uh, then I started moving more into, like, uh, getting into, like, the, uh, the older, you know, a little bit further back with the blues, like, um, like, you know, the 60s and with the, uh, like all the old buddy guy stuff and uh, Otis Rush and all those people like that and the chess record stuff, all that stuff. And then eventually went further back than that. And, uh, and one day, uh, I heard a record from Robert Johnson and, uh, 
I decided that that's what I wanted to do was play acoustic guitar and sing, you know. Yeah. The way he plays in the beginning style, you can do it all yourself. You can have rhythm and melody and sing and have a band all right there instead of having to keep a band together and worry about this and that. Everything's right there and you can create, you know, your own wall of sound and your own, write your own music and do everything you want just like that. So, wow. eventually, you know, I, yeah, I, I quit, I quit playing electric guitar and, uh, when I, when I started and, and, and picked up an acoustic and started studying Robert Johnson's music and, uh, that's all she wrote as far as music for me. I found what I love, you know, finally got down and that's, that's the old blues. That's really, I found it, you know. Yeah, man. Like went down the rabbit hole. I'm at the end and I love it. Yeah, it's, um, I remember uh, it was Oh Brother or Art Thou for me. It was like a pop culture thing. But when they, uh, that movie previewed that old blues player at the crossroad, um, I think I saw that movie when I was like 11 or 12. And um, that movie really, uh, it affected me. And then uh, when I got a little bit older, I started learning about these old blues markers that were you know, in predominantly in Mississippi, there's a few in Alabama. And I would just take these random road trips and just go to these markers and just, uh, you know, yeah. it, it, just take it in. I mean, you've been to Bentonia. It it has a different feel. It's almost like there's something in the air. Yeah, most definitely, yeah, yeah. Yep. I know what you mean. It, it's, again, and not just Bentonia, you know, those markers in general, just uh, or a grave site or something like that. Uh, That's right. These musicians, I, don't, I, I can't call it, you know, these musicians from back then are just so amazing. It's just like they leave anything associated with them. It just has this, like, uh, this extra thing that just makes you want to hear more and learn more and listen more, you know. That's right. And so um, just from your point of finding uh, Robert Johnson... And the realization of you could be, you know, you could you could fully encompass everything that you want to do with music. Um, what did that look like when you started writing your own music and begin to try playing it out? Um, well, <clears throat> so like, uh, I, don't, I don't quite understand what you're trying to get at. So you like, so how I came to start writing music or? yeah yeah let's start there okay well um it took it took a lot of uh maybe i have to go back a little bit to explain how i got to the point of where i could be able to write music um, oh yeah let's do that you know i studied all the Johnson and got got that piano style down really good where it's called stride piano where you play a uh you play the rhythm with your left hand and you play the melody with your, you know, on the high keys. And so you just do that on guitar. And so Robert Johnson was a good example for me to study. And I taught myself piano style. And then I learned a bunch of other people's styles. And then, but then uh, I used to go to a UVA hospital and sit in the, uh, the right outside the uh, surgery waiting lounge in the main lobby and uh, just play, just play acoustic guitar and just play, you know, this little John Hurt or something, you know, something real soft for people, you know. And uh, some guy asked me that was uh, at a record label and, uh, um, you know, he just started telling me, you know, I like your music, you know, and uh, 
I want to manage you and this and that. And so, uh, so that's what really, and, and he, and he always, he strives the point, you know, have your own stuff. And so that's when the focus really turned, um, to writing music. That's when I really got, really tried to put an effort into writing music. Yes. When he, you know, when he motivated me to do it. Um, and plus at that point, I'd always wanted to write music and I knew I could, anybody can write music, but it takes a little bit more to make a special song. You know what I'm saying? But, no, I, I think that's it, uh, Nick. Always, I knew there's a point that I come to where you have to realize that copying other people isn't where it's at. It's be, having your own style. Is that's the real challenge, and so, and that's what my friend Rodney is. His name is Rodney Baylor. He's a Virginia Beach fella. Uh, he, he's the guy that ran into me and uh, got me started writing songs. So, uh, why the hospital is, was that faith related to why you would play there? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely a part of it. And, uh, you know, um, that's just what I was into at the time. Um, so you, was it like, uh, just go down there to lift spirits? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. All right. And so, uh, you and Robert got connected. He wanted to manage you and, um. So, uh, Rodney. Rodney. So, yeah. uh, yeah, he, he I'm sorry, go ahead. Where did, where did it go from there? Where did, where did it go from the, well, the waiting well, room? Yeah, it was basically a waiting room from, from then on until now. But, uh, so Rodney, you know, he keeps on, uh, telling me, you know, keep writing music and, uh, I got you. We're going to do something, uh, but it just never panned out. I don't think he realized how much of a straight blues player I was. And uh, his label was actually a hip-hop label. <laughs> That's interesting. So we, Yeah, so we couldn't really. But he was still there for me, you know, and, and trying to, you know, help me as much as he could just with encouragement. And I I'm, I'm, I'm thank him so much for that. I'm so so glad that uh, he was put in my path to, to get this thing started. But then, uh, so... That never happens, and um, so I end up just, uh, you know, there was a period where I, where I uh, shared music on YouTube, and, uh, and that was just a bunch of covers, and I, and I got frustrated with that, closed that down. Uh, then I started on Facebook back in, uh, I think, early 2018, sharing my music, and uh, that was really the best thing that I, I could have done, because that's what <coughs> really got me started and put me where I am right now. Um, it was, uh, I think it was November 2018. <clears throat> Somebody uh, associated with, uh, with the Blue Front Cafe and stuff and uh, somebody that helped Jimmy out here and there uh, named Jamie Atkinson uh, saw me, saw a video I, I posted and uh, invited me down to play at the festival on the strength of just see, seeing a music video and uh so the following uh, June of 2019, well, I, I made my first appearance at the Bentonia Festival. So that's uh, so that's how I went up to that point. What uh, I mean, what did that mean? That had to feel like it happened so fast. Yeah. So I mean, you sure. got you got connected to uh, Atkinson, and then next thing you know, uh, you were. 
you were in the breeding ground for where the blues started. You were down in Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, totally a, a mind blower for me. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, like, like a dream come true. You know, I'd never been down that far south, and especially never to a place like, you know, the Blue Front Cafe and Ben Tony. I mean, that's just like. You know, uh, down highway, I was loving it. I mean, the farthest I had been down south was Memphis. I take that back. I went to Memphis one time for the uh, what was that? The uh, blues uh, competition on Bill Street there. I forget the name of it, but uh, and, and we did drive down to Clarksdale, but but you know, just being there in Bentonia and. and being on Highway 49 and seeing all the stuff that you hear on the records, you know, like Big Joe Williams thinking about Highway 49 and, mm-hmm. you know, here I am on Highway 49 traveling to Ben Podium, you know, it's just, it was just a dream come, come true. You know? Yeah, that's right. It, it kind of goes back to, uh, you know, what we were talking about with like these blues markers and it, there was just something in the air. Uh, and you, you have the same infatuation I do with the blues. It's like when I, uh, stumbled across Robert Johnson and then you start really digging into the blues and like there's all this mysticism and there there's this rich history and it's so misunderstood but it's so influential to so many genres that we celebrate today and uh, just to just to be walking in it um, man that is I, w- I want to talk a little bit more uh, about Bentonia. That was what Ryan uh, wanted me to ask you. Uh, was um, you've already answered the first part? Was uh, how how do you uh, how do you get to Bentonia? And then let's talk a little bit about uh, Jimmy Duck Holmes and like um, just being able to to study and and see a, a different style that was different from Chicago or delta or hill country it's very specific to bentonia yeah it sure is yeah Yeah. um well uh before i went uh you know went down there for the first time i had i had uh i knew about the bentonia style and stuff and uh I've learned a few pieces. There's a guy, Cornelius Bright, you probably know who I'm talking about, um, that I studied and, and, cause I wanted to make sure I knew a few Bentonia pieces before I got down there. Yeah. But, uh, so I learned a uh, devil got my woman by Cornelius Bright, his version of it. And, okay. Uh, so, but when I went down there to, to see Jimmy, um, I, uh, you know, I could already play it, but, when I came back, it it, it it was different after meeting him and being down there. Like, the song, I played it. When I played it, it felt different, and uh, it was just a, a deeper, it, it was a deeper meaning to me when I played it, and I think it showed through the sound, of, you know, of, uh, before going there and then after going there, the yeah. sound of that song. Yeah. Um, I was just recently in Bentonia, um, yesterday, and I went down, uh, the weekend before just to meet Jimmy, and, uh, he told me to bring my guitar the second time yesterday, and I did, uh, to play, 
and I learned, I learned, uh, I think catfish. Yeah. That's the one I'd been working on. But after sitting down with Jimmy, uh, for the second time and getting to know him a little bit better and hearing him play, I didn't really care to play for him. I just wanted to soak up a little bit more. And then like, it was almost like, uh, I'm not ready yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, um, man, it's, it's it, the blue front, man. It's in Benton. It's such a special place, but where did, where did everything go for you? Um, after that, after that Facebook video, um, you're getting invited out to these blues festivals. Uh, where, where did it go from there? Um, well, uh, I made my first appearance at, uh, there at Bentonia at the festival. It was a Thursday night, and I, uh, they ended up inviting me down for the anniversary that they have every year, which was in, uh, uh, September, um, like middle of September, and, uh, that was a great experience. I, I played on, uh, the two-day event, um, Friday and Saturday night. I played, uh, played on Friday night, and, um, I got to play on the same, uh, I played right before uh, RL, RL Boyce and Jimmy uh, went on. I got to play before them. And then I was the first performer to ever play at the Blue Front Cotton Gym. So that's that's pretty cool. That that happened at that show. And um, so that, that, you know, that's a good, that that's a mind, another, you know, getting back home after that, that was another mind blower, uh, you know, that I thought couldn't be taught after that but anyway yeah so you know that happens and then um shortly after that um you know i get a you know a blue front approaches with that they had a record label and uh they wanted to make a record with me um but uh that never really panned out um i won't get into any details but uh not not because of a lack of musicianship or on my end but just i won't get into that but that never worked out but um, at the same time, another record label uh, approached me, uh, Ellis Soul Records, which is a label from here in Virginia, out of Richmond, and uh, they want to, you know, I'm working with them right now, and uh, I recorded my debut album, and um, I know I spoke to you a little bit about it before we're talking, you know, before this show here, but... Uh, it's kind of, I've kind of got my mind blown again today because um, I've got some really, really big news, but I can't, I can't say anything about it. I wish I could, but um, it has something to do with record labels, but I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. But uh, it's really, really, really big news. And, um, uh, but I hope you'll let me play a new cut from the album. I was going to do that for you tonight. Yeah, yeah, send it over, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, you can send that to me. Um, so, man, we're 22. You started taking it serious. Um, you found your way. And now these just mind-blowing things are kind of happening uh, for you. Um, I mean, what is that? What does that look like today as far as like uh you got your debut album finished um 
man i mean where, where are you at like right now is it are you still constantly writing or are you just um preparing to play that out or what does that look like um well you know i have i have a few different projects i'm working on but yeah you know, i do want to start writing as soon as possible again um i'm still just kind of taking it all in right now and uh, i don't want to put too much on my plate because um, I also run a, uh, it's a, uh, it's an online venue, uh, overall junction. We, we talked about that. Yeah. Let's, let's go ahead and hatch that egg. Okay. Uh, so tell me about, uh, the beginnings of that and why you, why you wanted to have overall junction. Okay. You know, just with the pandemic and everything, it, you know, the, the venues were closed down, you know, and, uh, so I got with uh, a couple friends of mine, uh, one Andy Cohen, um, who's, who's just, he's a legend, but uh, Andy Cohen and, and another great player, Frank Petusky, and we did a show, uh, we made a, I made a group on Facebook, and uh, we did our first, we invited, you know, a couple hundred people to watch, and it was a success. Is, so, it, is uh, this a private affair, or can anybody shows. join yeah, yeah, it, well, it, it was a group at that point, um, but it's now, it's changed to a page. Okay. Uh, but it was a private group at that point, yeah. Yeah, just to plug it. So, overall, Junction, just look that up on Facebook and you can get involved? Oh, well, right now, um, the group, we don't, the group's changed to a page now. We don't, we don't use the group for any live uh, concerts or festivals anymore. It's now a page. Okay, okay, okay. But anyway, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I just wanted to give like the audience like no, if, if, if 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 they wanted to to see it, where where could they oh, go? Yeah. If you want to see it, it's um just uh, at overall junction. Um, that's where you can find it. Where did it Where did it go from that? Before I interrupted you, uh, uh, it started. You know, okay. you had you had a Facebook group, and uh, it kind of grew yeah. from that. Yeah, yeah, we we did a few shows and. Uh, eventually got to the point where well we did a few shows and then an unexpected uh development came along i guess you could say uh a uh a director that helps out the robert johnson blues foundation stepped in to help me and uh and we're, we're we've got bigger plans for for the group and everything and but anyway, we decided to convert it to a page at that point. Um, because with a group, you know, if you're not a member, you can't watch. So That's right. with a page, we can reach more people, you know what I'm saying? So, and uh, so then we, our last uh, last two concerts have been our, been our biggest concerts. And, uh, we did one back in, uh, shoot, I think it was September or August, but... Uh, <laughs> that was a big one for us. That was uh had a lot of great players, and then we did another one for Halloween show, and that was uh that was our last concert we've done up to date. Uh, but our next one is actually going to be uh, on New Year's, hopefully New Year's Eve. Okay. And uh, so. And uh, is that is that viewable like through that page, or is there a website that you have to go to? Yes, right on the page. Yep. Cool, man. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I've I've done a few things. 
I like that on the Porch Talk page. Our most recent one, it's still up. Um, but I usually will do these hour-long live streams with musicians who have been on Porch Talk. And um, the new brainchild that came from this latest one was to do it with a cause. And so uh, this musician, he's out of the Athens area. And so um, he was like, it's the holiday season, you know. Um, let's, let's get in the giving spirit, and I want to open up proceeds to go to, um, well, what's your, what's your favorite charity, Alan? And I was like, you know, let's do something for the children. And then the idea kind of went to a more personal thing, like, within Athens with uh, Lovecraft and I mean we raised 200 bucks uh, for Lovecraft and they uh, they teach and enable people uh, musically and artistically and to help give them life skills to get them uh, back on the right track if you're an adult and then if you're a kid uh, they just teach you about art and music you know And, um, awesome. yeah. like, you know, especially since 2020, you know, um, I'm in, I'm in several different, uh, promotional groups on Facebook, but like the traction never really did seem to pick up for anybody until this year when we were all kind of stuck at home, uh, trying to make sense of the world and to be able to have a platform that offers up music, um, is it's a very good thing uh, to be able to offer to give people a place to go. Um, so shout out to uh, Overall Junction, man. It's like uh, I, I see a little bit of my own heart in that, you know. It's uh, music discovery and just to get the word out. That's right. Just with your album coming out and overall junction is uh, beginning to pick up. Um, what else? What else do you have planned? What is uh, has it moved you uh, to a new vision or direction? Yeah, you gotta 
you know, if they're going to pay for your uh, record, I mean, you got to go out there and sell it. Yeah. Or, or whatever that looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Selling, selling records at shows, you know, physical copies, whatever it is, yeah. So, uh, really, a lot, of, a lot of the money is made just by doing that, you know, these days. You don't get, you don't get nothing for streams. Yeah. I mean, a musician could have a million streams on Spotify. What? What is that? A thousand bucks, five hundred bucks. Yeah. I want to pick your brain on uh on guitar playing. Um, and we can take it as personal as the album that's uh, about to come out. Um. Sure. What uh. What was your style on that? Was it, um, obviously blues? Did you? Um, would you bend strings, uh, with like Delta style or would you, uh, strictly go to alternate tunings and open minor tunings like Bentonia or did you kind of mix and match? Like what, what, what was your big, what was, what was the big, what was the big influence on your, your sound for this album? Um, just, I can't even, that's over my head, honestly. I couldn't tell you, um, like when I'm writing songs, um, most of the time, I, I, I may be feeling blue or just this, that, or the other, and something will come to my mind, and I'll play it, and then I'll hear that. That sounds good. Something else will come to my mind. I'll add to that, and that, and that, and that's just that's how I do it, you know. Uh, what about um, with Matters of Faith? Um, was growing up, was the blues ever like, um, a no-no, or it was like, you don't listen to that kind of music when you were growing up? No, no, I didn't grow up in that type of culture. No, um, I'm not old enough to have grown up in that type of culture, you know, really. Oh, it's, it's very that's, prevalent you know, here, man. Being a white person, that's, that's never an argument you would hear in a, in a household like that I grew up in. Um, my parents were very liberal. I could listen to any kind of music I want. I could. I could watch any horror movies, anything, you know. Yeah. Matter, you know, so. I like that. Um, you know, just to go there for a second is like I think about growing up, and um, uh, my mother uh, was kind of stern when it came to like what was on the TV, and um, like going out fishing with my dad, we would listen to music um, that I normally wasn't able to listen to. But I was hanging out with Dad, and that really shaped me uh, musically. Uh, but I mean, like that—I I don't know if it's like a Bible Belt culture, but um, there are certain kinds of music. I remember this is um, when I turned eighteen. I uh, I got really involved, uh, you know, in faith. I, I I found God, or God found me, or however you want to put it. And so I, yeah, yeah. I I threw away a lot of my uh, rock and roll albums, and um, yeah, yeah. nobody told me to, but it was just like some kind of weird conviction. And then when I got older, yeah. I, I I kept I, I kept I kept the albums, but I just threw away the content. Like I still have the the al album cover. Yeah, yeah. But when I got older, I. Yeah. Content, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and then, like, I got older, and I was like, dude, that was dumb. I was like, there's, 
Um, I don't. I don't think there's anything bad there. It's just how you perceive it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And how you ingest it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Go ahead. No, I just kind of wanted to open that up to kind of like um, share a little bit about um, uh, my my coming up and just I wanted to hear a little bit about yours, especially now of what you do. Right. Like, um, yeah, um, church, you know, blues and God is a big, you know, they go together, you know. I think so. Spiritual music and, and the blues. Oh, yeah, it definitely um, can't have one without the other because one came from the other. Um, but uh, me, um, I started, well, my mom got sick back when I was uh, 14 with terminal cancer, and we started going to church and stuff, and, uh, you know, and that's, that's when I first, you know, I went to the altar and everything, and uh, so I know all of what you mean about, you know, throwing away the records and all that stuff, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, and um, so... But my faith is important to me. I mean, and and it's real. I, I if I didn't have God in me, if I ne- if I'd never been to that altar, you know, I wouldn't be able to do what I do today and sing like I do today. There'd be no way. Um, because the blues, all of the old blues guys, well, all they heard growing up, here's our mom humming in the field. Just hear that sound, you know. Uh-huh. And it just—it was just in all of their souls. And uh, like if you hear Muddy Waters say, he said, "Uh, um, you got to go to church to get something, a certain particular thing in your soul if you want to play the blues." He also said, "You can't can't just get up and play the blues anytime you want and walk the streets and play the blues like himself, John Lee Hooker." And then he went on to say, plus you got to go to church. He said, church. You get a certain particular thing in your soul. Yeah. But uh, it's true. You know, I've heard it said that that you can't get the blues. The blues has to get you. Yeah, it'll find it. Yeah, yeah, I know know what you mean. And even for those who don't, you know, necessarily play or try to play it, um, you know, just as a fan, you you know, you could be growing up your whole life, and then all of a sudden you hear this blues song, and it just, all of a sudden it's like it grabs you. You know, you're a blues fan after that. You hear that that old that old ancient sound, and it just strikes something in your spirit. It calls out to you. You know, I know, I know what you mean by that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, like, just back to your music, I, I think you touched on it. Is, um. What is the difference? Uh, me and uh, Ryan Lee Crosby talked about it um, a little bit. Is uh, I believe that there's a difference in feel and emotion. But the blues, uh, I believe, is a derivative of feeling. And that other genres, uh, they play off of an emotion. But I believe there's a little more honesty uh, in these blues albums, and there's a lot more feel. 
if that makes sense. Oh, um, I think I can. I'm getting that your definition of, of feel and emotion. Um, yeah, with the blues is about life and it's truth. It's truth and life. Um, and uh, like, I guess, yeah, with, with emotion, you know, emotion can be blues is, a, and I, you know, if you, I heard somehow say the blues, it's an actual thing. You know, it is a thing. It's a spirit. The blues, you know. People call it the blues. It's not really just a collection of a bunch of people feeling bad. The blues is a thing, Mm -hmm. you know. And, um, you know what I'm trying to say, but, uh. Yeah. Um, yeah. I kind of got lost to where I was going. (laughs) Now, just, just hang in there. I mean, we're talking about the feeling of it and the blues being... Um, just not a genre or, or being blue. It's, it's more of an idea, I guess, if, if, if to put it that way. Yeah, yeah, like, like, mm-hmm, I mean, there, there has to be something, that's why I say the blues is a thing, for there to be millions and millions, hundreds of millions of blues fans there has to be something that's bringing all these people together around this music. It's not just, um, and it goes way back. For, you know, you know, it started a long time ago, and uh, it's an actual thing. You know, and uh, everybody who loves the blues, I can't tell you what it is. Neither can anybody else. But neither can you. It's just. No, uh, I think you nailed it. Um, in my interview with Duck, uh, he said exactly what you said. It's honesty. Mm-hmm. It's life. Yep. And that's the thing about the blues to me is I can't be dishonest if I do it. It has to be real, and that's why I say that it is a feel and not an emotion. Because an emotion can change. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. And like, like the blues to me is something, it's not something like, oh, I'm blue today or, oh, I feel blue because of this or that. It's like, I, I keep the blues all the time. It's not something, I don't have a choice, you know. It's with me all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so kind of how it goes for me. So, like you say, it's a feel. It's not something that it comes and goes. You know, it's not you know, oh, the sun is beautiful. I feel great. Somebody with the blues, oh, the sun looks beautiful. Man, I wish I could feel great about that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's right. It's kind of, uh, I mean, we could paint it a, a lot of different ways. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's just like a reality check. It's like, I think it was, um, I think it was RL that said this was, uh, uh, the blues, uh, it's what gets you when you hear your cat, when you just get home and the cat says, she ain't here. She here, 
He said it's just something that just climbs all over you. <laughs> oh man, so where do we go from here is um man just a little bit more um about uh your music is and I can't I can't wait to uh to get more involved in it and to deep, dive a little bit deeper. Um, but I mean, what would you say to someone who's never, uh, who's never heard it? Like, uh, how would you describe it? Well, I would, I would describe it as, uh, um, just listen to it and don't look at the person who's singing and then <laughs> just, that's, I, I would describe it as. The same thing, the same music I love, which is the old time blues. Now, it's kind of hard for me to objectively say that that's what my music sounds like. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to do that. That's that's what I think I play. That's you know, if you if you're if you're hearing my music, you're hearing echoes from way back. Yeah. So, would you say like um, sitting in Virginia right now? It, do you? Are you a, uh, an ambassador or um, honoring it or representing it or how would you describe it? Sure. Um, I, 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 I know that definitely comes, I mean, self-expression is definitely up there is, is the top thing for me with, with, with blues because I mean, I just love music in general. I love John Coltrane. I love all stuff like that. But um, expressing myself is um, is probably number one. But being ambassador for the blues, the music I love, um, to for me for me to release an album and have it have a big effect on a younger generation of people. And get them interested in this in this type of music. That's right up there, number one. That's really one of my biggest goals is just to get. I'm sick of the pop music scene. I can't stand it. I mean, it's fake. Pop music back in the thirties was great. Nowadays, it's garbage. You know? it, it's so fake and dishonest. Somebody can reach this young generation and get them started on something good. You know. Um, so definitely, yeah, being an ambassador for the blues because this music. Um, it is, it is, to me, it is the greatest music ever made in the world, ever in history. Um, I think of these guys, Robert Johnson, no less than Ludwig Van Beethoven, any of those guys, you know. And uh, I think it's the best music ever made. And uh, yeah. Perfect, man. Well, um, I've got uh, two more questions for you, um, just to have a little fun is um this is the james mullis question it's about banter now it could have either been said by you on stage by another musician on stage or from someone in the crowd what is what is one of the most uh, uh influential or inspiring things that you've heard on or off the stage while at an event 
stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have to say, uh, the first time I played at Bentonia, um, I just finished playing this song called I Don't Want Blues, and I went, I don't like that, and the whole crowd went, I don't so that was probably, I would say, <laughs> that's the, the biggest one that, that pops to my mind right now. That's a good one, and it's a very off-the-cuff question. Um, I just like to throw that at people. Um, yeah. Because you, you never know uh, what you're going to get, right? As far as, like, um, when you go to a show or you're playing a show, is uh, there there's so much energy with the people in the crowd are about to receive and the people on the stage who are about to give and um i think each night has potential to be um a very memorable experience sure does especially if the people in the crowd are there to hear the person that's going to be singing to them you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. but like sometimes you know you're in a bar and sometimes i've played gigs you know where People, they don't care. They're just eating their food. You know, you get done a song, and it's like, no clap, no nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, when, when it's a crowd, like a listening room gig or something like that, those are, those, those are the good ones. You know, like some of my favorite banner. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead, dude. Yeah, those are the most special times is when, when the audience... Is there to hear the, the guy on stage or the girl on stage? Yeah. I'll, um, I'll paint that two different ways. Is, uh, you know, to go to that, that bar scene to where, uh, you know, they may have come to just have a bite to eat or hang out with a friend is um, some of the best banter I've seen and heard story of is, like, the musician. Like, this is my favorite story. He was playing at a bar. And nobody gave nobody gave a crap. wasn't even paying attention. So he turned around and walked over to the corner of the stage and just started playing and singing to the corner. And then when he finished his song, he walked back to the mic and it was like you could hear a pin drop. And um, everybody was, you know, he had everyone's full attention. And uh, he was like, you know, uh, the whole time I played for y'all tonight, it felt like I was playing for a wall. So I thought I would go play for the wall. Mm-hmm. And then, like, his record sales that night when he finished, I don't think he walked away with any left. Everyone respected that. <laughs> and that was so ballsy. That's that's very tongue in cheek. That's a that's a OG movie right there. <laughs> and then you have those special uh like listening room or um I love going to house shows. Or um you'll have a you'll have a small room with you know, thirty to fifty people and everyone there is there for the same reason. They're there for the artists. They want to hear that show. 
and that's a very memorable time as well. It's almost like there's a there's a whole Hakuna Matata about it, you know. Yeah, kind of like a like at a comedy show, like it's uh you know if it's just you listening to somebody telling jokes, it may be funny, but when when you're in that atmosphere with a with you know ten thousand people in a stadium listening to you know Kevin Hart or whoever you know Chappelle. You know, it, it makes it funnier, you know, and it's the same way with music, music, you know. That's right. I think, anyway. Yeah. Um, so, um, man, I just want to, um, last question to get it out the door is how can people get involved with you, social media, where can they find your music? Uh, what are ways to connect with you? Um, connect with me, uh, website is, uh, Um And, um, you can find out updates on what I'm doing and, uh, you know, sign up, uh, get on the email list and I'll give you updates. And, uh, on Facebook, uh, at, uh, Nick Wade Music, um, on Facebook, uh, that's about it. Well, cool, man. Um, this was Nick Wade. Nick, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to sit down with me virtually over a Zoom call to uh, talk about your music and uh, life and faith and uh, just to have a good exchange from Alabama to Virginia. Yeah, it was awesome, man. I appreciate it. Cool, man. News and notes. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you haven't done so already, please rate and review the show on whatever podcast app it is that you listen to on. It really helps people discover the show. Share it with a friend or on your social media as well. We're going to walk this thing on out the door now with a song by Nick Wade called These Old Bones. Thank you all so much.
that's going from its end. I'm gonna meet him in hell when God's going from its end. Oh, Gabriel, gonna blow it nice and loud so it'll, it'll reach the whole world around. For all time, I will be marching round the throne. And for all time, I will be marching round the throne. And I will have a brand new set of bones in my brand new heavenly home. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.